0: Good morning. How y'all doing? We're going um, to continue a series that we started last week, just two weeks. And uh, last week we talked about what the mission <clears throat> of Freedom Fellowship is. And today we're going to talk about something a little different. Now, our, just, to re, just to review what we talked about last week, if you weren't here, or even if you were here, is um, we talked about that the mission of our church has not changed since we began. We, we're about eight years old. And uh, so you think about a child that's eight years old. That's kind of about how mature we are as a church. We still write on desks and get mad at our friends and that kind of things. I guess I don't know, but but we're so we're a young church. And uh, and for the eight, whole eight years <clears throat> we've been meeting, our 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 mission has stayed the same. And that mission, uh, which has never changed, is to help people discover true freedom that only comes from Jesus Christ. And what we talked about last week is that we believe that that what Scripture teaches, what, what you read in the Bible, is that sin uh, puts people in slavery. And, and all of us are slaves to sin until we're set free by Jesus. And what people will do is that people will search and they will try to find freedom in all kinds of different things. They'll try to find it through being real successful. They'll try to find it through things that are damaging to them, like a, like a, a, an addiction or, or something like that. And, and all that is is people are searching for true freedom that they're only going to find in Jesus Christ. And so what we're trying to do as a church is we're trying to be sure that we can get that message out to as many people as possible. And like I reminded you last week, in in case you you have forgotten, we live in a place in Greenville County where we think that there's enough churches, that everybody already has a church, and and we really don't need to share the gospel that much. But there are six out of ten people in this county who are not involved in church anywhere. Sixty percent of the people in this county are not involved in church at all. And so we've got plenty of opportunities to tell people how they can be free in Jesus, how they can be set free from sin. Now, everything has to begin with a mission. What we're going to do here, it has to begin with that. That's got to be the starting point. But there's got to be some steps after the mission. On, uh, on May 20, uh, 25th, 1961, there was a famous speech that, that John F. Kennedy, who was president at that time, he, he was speaking before a joint session of Congress, and he gave this speech And it's famous, the reason it's famous is because of this line right here that I'll read to you that he said in that speech. This is 1961, and he said this, I believe this nation should commit itself to achieving the goal that before this decade is out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to the earth. So in 1961... JFK stood before Congress and he said, "Before it gets to the 70s, we need to be able to shoot a rocket to the moon, have a man land on it, and then get him safely back home." Which I'm sure at that time I wasn't alive. Then I'm not quite that old, but I'm sure at that time people heard that and they thought, "Man, that guy's lost his mind." But that was the mission statement. He said that, and and, and that was what set us on the path to in July 1969 when Neil Armstrong got a big sip of Tang and then walked down the ladder and jumped on. On the moon been, became the first person to do that and that set the set the st- the uh, the the motion for that to happen but it took more than just saying those words it took more than just the mission statement that JFK gave in 1961 to make that happen and it's going to take more than us just saying hey we want to tell people about true freedom in Jesus it's going to have to be more than just me standing on this stage and saying it Us putting it on our website, you saying that to other people that go to this church, it takes more than just saying it to make that a reality. And so after JFK made that speech, then they had to say, okay, we've got a mission. The president said he wants us to put a man on the moon before the end of the decade. Well, we've got to come up with a strategy. We've got to figure out a way to make that happen. And so then they started launching rockets and they started doing all kind of stuff and putting people in orbit and and all that stuff. And then it ended up with a man being on the moon and so for us as a church it's no different we've got our mission our mission is set it's not going to change we know exactly what we're wanting to do we want to help as many people as possible discover true freedom in jesus but in order for that to happen we've got to do more than just talk about it we need a strategy we need to figure out how is that going to work. And so what we've done as a staff and as elders over the last few months is we spent some time thinking about that and talking about it and uh, going back and thinking about things we had taught here before, and we've developed what we think is a, is a workable strategy for our church, that if we're going to help as many people as possible discover true freedom in Jesus, this is how we're going to do it. So here's, the, here's what we're saying is our strategy statement for Freedom Fellowship, and it's this. To create churches where people are encouraged and equipped to grow toward Jesus Christ, develop real relationships, and love people. Pretty simple. We're going to talk about those three things in just a second. But let me tell you why strategy is important. It's because this will keep us from doing anything and everything we hear other churches are doing. Not that what other churches are doing is bad. In fact, a lot of things that other churches are doing are great. But we can't do every good idea that comes along. We have to decide what is best for our church, what can we focus on, and we've decided that it's three areas to grow toward Jesus Christ, develop real relationships, and love people. And we think that those three things, if we do those three things, that will help us accomplish our mission. When I was on staff at at Fairview Baptist Church uh, for 10 years up the road here, I was the the student pastor there. Um, One year we took a group of students to another church over in Greenville that was doing um, uh, this thing that, um, I'm sorry, I'm smiling, and that means y'all think I'm making fun of it. Maybe I kind of am. But anyway, they they were doing this thing called a judgment house, all right? Now, what a judgment house is, at Halloween, you go to there, and they do this play, and they scare you that you're going to go to hell that night and then they try to tell you about Jesus right after it. And a friend of mine said that it was, uh, just scaring the hell out of people, is what he said. And, <clears throat> and, um, that's really kind of what it was. Because it's, they would do this thing and they would have like a play and then all of a sudden there'd be an accident and everybody would die and then we'd all go to hell. And there would be Satan standing there, you know, and then, and then they would show some people go into heaven. And it's, it's a, it was a great thing and we took kids to it and we had kids get saved that went there. But I remember we came back. From it, And we were sitting in a, a meeting with my youth ministry team, and there was one lady who's a sweet lady, loves Jesus, and she came back and she said, God told me that we need to do that here at this church. And I said, well, God didn't tell our pastor that, and he didn't tell our deacons that, and he hadn't told anybody else that, so probably you're not hearing God, you just ate some bad roast beef or something, I don't know what it is. But, but what, what was going on there was, as she saw, this is a great idea, we got to do it. And if we don't have a strategy as a church, we're gonna go, we're gonna go to some church that you visit when you go to the beach or someone, you're gonna come back and you're gonna say, man, this church is doing this. We need to start that next Sunday. But if we have a strategy and we know, hey, here's the three things we're doing, and this is how we're going to try to do those, then when we get those good ideas, we can say, that's awesome for that church. We're going to let that church do that, and we're going to do what we think God has called us to do right here. And not that any of those things are bad or, or, or better or anything like that. It's just a different way to go about it. You know, um, my wife is a wonderful cook and a, a really, really, really good cook. And and I grew up in a home where my mother was a good cook, but my mother and my wife, they cook totally different. My mother goes by the recipe, and she doesn't ever add anything extra off the recipe. Absolutely not. That's unheard of. You go by the recipe. My wife, half the time, she doesn't even use a recipe. She just goes by, what oh, this will probably be good. And if she has a recipe, she says, I'm going to change this and put it in there. And both of them come up with good things to eat, but it's just a different way to go about it. Churches are doing lots of good things out there. You're going to hear a lot of things, but we have to decide, okay, our elders, our staff has said this is going to be the strategy and this is what we're going to stick to, and we believe that's what's best for our church. So let's talk about these three things. Grow toward Jesus Christ, uh, develop relationships and love people. The first one is grow toward Jesus Christ. Um, I told you earlier that, that we live in a community where there's more people far away from Jesus than we realize. And one of the things that we want to do here is we want to create environments where the people that you know that are far from Jesus can come to this church with you and that we can remove a lot of the barriers that have kept them from Jesus and they can come here and then they can begin to grow towards Him. Now, very, very few people that I've ever met have what I call the Apostle Paul experience. You remember the story from the New Testament? Maybe you don't. Let me remind you of it. There was this guy named Saul. He was bad news. He was totally anti-Jesus, anti-church, all that kind of stuff. And God saves him by blinding him with a bright light and says you're a bad dude, you need to come to me, I've saved you, you're mine now. Paul's life totally changes. One day he was hating Jesus and persecuting the church. The next day he was loving Jesus and starting churches. That radical of a transformation. The majority of people that you know, they don't go through a change like that. The majority of people that you know, they start off not knowing who Jesus is or opposed to Jesus, and they take small steps along the way until one day they come to the realization that they need Jesus, and then He changes their heart. But it takes a lot of small steps along the way. Just about everybody I know who's come to Jesus would say, I started off this way, and then this person talked to me, and they they told me about Jesus. This person invited me to church, and I got a little more interested, and I got a Bible, and I read a little bit on my own. And it took a lot of small steps. And so, what we want to do is we want to create an environment where people who are far from Jesus can begin taking those steps to grow toward Jesus Christ. That's why we use that terminology to grow toward Jesus Christ, because we know it's going to take them a while to get there. And we also want to create a church and then create environments where those of you that are here that you say you already know Jesus Christ, we want to challenge you to be even more like Jesus. And we want to challenge you to, to leave behind old ways of living and try to become more like Jesus every day. Now, when we think about doing this, uh, it, it, it seems difficult, especially telling people that they don't know about Jesus. I don't know how many of you have ever tried to do it, but it's hard work. Because it's, sometimes it's like you're speaking a foreign language. They're looking at you, and, and you're like Charlie Brown's parents, you know, when you're talking to them, and they, you're telling them all this stuff. You're using Scripture, and all they hear is wah, 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 wah. Well, that's all they hear from you because it doesn't make sense yet. And it can seem very difficult. But here's, here's something that I want to I let you know: that here's a Scripture that I want it to take some pressure off of you. This is what Jesus said in John 12:32. He was predicting that he was going to be crucified, and he said this. He said, but I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. When we're out there trying to help people understand who Jesus is, to try to help them to take small steps to grow towards Jesus Christ, you're not out there doing that on your own. God is already calling people to him. So you don't have to go out and try to come up with some new way to convince people. And if you tell somebody about Jesus or you just tell someone about your church or just tell them what God's done in your life and they act like you're crazy and they don't want to hear it anymore, it's you didn't mess up. It's not because you did a bad job. It's not because now, you know, I think sometimes we're afraid to tell people about Jesus because we're thinking, I'm going to say something wrong and then they're going to go straight to hell and it's all going to be on me. I think we think that sometimes. But God is out there drawing men to himself and we just get a chance to participate in it. It's, uh, it's like Chick-fil-A. And you're thinking, well, how is this like Chick-fil-A? I just ate a Chick-fil-A sandwich yesterday. Aren't they? They're awesome, aren't they? They are so good. And here's the best part about Chick-fil-A. No fat, no calories in everything that, that they serve because they're closed on Sunday. God blesses that and he removes the calories and the fat from all of their, that's, that's, that's what I'm going with at least. But, but this, this Chick-fil-A down here in Greer is owned by a guy named Bill Tyler. Some of y'all probably know Bill. And uh, they do a great business there. But you know, uh, Chick-fil-A does a lot of advertising. They've got the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, they got a football game that they do a ton of advertising. They even do a football game at the beginning of the year at the same place. They've got commercials that you see on TV with cows on there. Whoever came up with cows to advertise chicken, that guy's a genius. And, and let me tell you who did not come up with the idea of cows advertising chicken. Bill Tyler did. not Or any of the other people that own these Chick-fil-A's locally. Because they just have to worry about making the sandwiches and delivering the sandwiches. It's Chick-fil-A, the big company that's advertising, that's trying to draw people to the stores. And then they get people drawn to the stores. And then it's the Chick-fil-A and Greer's job and the Chick-fil-A on Woodruff Road's job and the Chick-fil-A on Haywood's Road's job to then, all right, we've got these people coming. They've been drawn here by the advertising. Now all we got to do is we got to deliver the sandwich. we got to make sure it's hot. We've got to make sure it doesn't have pickles on it if they don't want pickles on it. we got to get those Oreo milkshakes out there. That's all they have to do is just deliver the, the stuff to the people who've been drawn in by the advertising. God is drawing people in. He's drawing people to himself all the time. He's at work in people's lives in ways we don't even understand. And all we have to do is we have to be ready to deliver the sandwich when they get here. we got to be ready to deliver the the gospel. And they're here, they're hungry to hear it, and we just have to treat them with love and, and deliver the gospel so that they have an opportunity then, after they've been led here by Jesus, to have their lives changed forever. And that's the role that we play in this. We don't have to come up with with all the ways to convince people. Jesus said, I will draw all men to myself, and then we get to play a role in that. And so we want people here to grow toward Jesus Christ, people that are far away from him and people that are here to begin to grow towards Jesus Christ. Let me just say one quick word about those of you that are here. The growing toward Jesus Christ part for you, if you already know Jesus, It is not my responsibility or Donnie's responsibility or Blake's responsibility or whoever preaches on this stage to make you grow toward Jesus Christ. God's going to do that work in your heart, and then it's your responsibility to be a mature believer and to seek after him. I, I haven't heard anybody say this to me in a long time, and I think probably the reason why is people got tired of what I would say back to them when they would say it. But, uh, you know, sometimes you've probably heard this if you've grown up in church. You've heard somebody say, well, you know what? We're just not being fed. We, go, we went there, but we just weren't being fed. And my thought about that was, is Laura Beth, who sang up here earlier, and Blake, they have a little baby named Jackson. Now let me tell you what will happen to Jackson if one day they say, you know what, we're tired of this kid, we're not feeding him for a week. You know what he'll do? He'll starve to death. Why? Because he's a baby. But Blake is a grown man. And if Blake comes into my office tomorrow and says, Cliff, Laura Beth hasn't cooked for me in a week, I'm afraid I'm going to starve to death. You know what I'm going to say to Blake? Blake. I'm going to say, go to Chick-fil-A and get one of those fat-free sandwiches right now. You're a grown man. You can feed yourself. And the same is true for us in our, our spiritual walk. Yeah, it's good, it's good to, to be able to be at a place and to, to hear Donnie or Blake preach, and, and to, that inspires us. But if you're somewhere and you're not being fed, well, then you need to get out the Bible and you need to open it up yourself and you need to dig in. And so when it comes to growing towards Jesus Christ, we're trying to help those far away. They don't know how to get to Jesus, and so we're trying to help them take those steps. But for those of you that are here, we're expecting you to say, I'm going to take some responsibility for my own growth, and I'm going to work out spiritually by reading the Scripture and by praying and by serving people, and I'm going to do some of that on my own and then wait and see what God does in my heart. Okay, I spent too long on that. Second one is this, develop real relationships. First one is grow towards Jesus Christ. Second one is develop develop real relationships. We I've talked about this so many times. We live in a society right now that we think we're more connected than we've ever been because of the internet, and we've got like 1,500 Facebook friends, uh, you know, 1,492 of them that we never even see outside of the computer screen. So we act like, man, we're so connected. But really, we're more disconnected as a society than we've been in a long time. Chances are, most of you live in a neighborhood where you don't hardly know any of your neighbors. And you probably grew up at a time when you could remember that you knew all of your neighbors. And so we live in a society where we're very disconnected. And so here at this church, what we want to do is we want to create an environment where you can come in and you can begin to develop very strong, real relationships with the other people that are here. And we do that through, you can be a part of life groups, and you can be a part of serving on a team. You want to really get to know somebody, then meet them up here every Sunday morning at 8 o'clock and load in speakers and set up screens and set up nursery rooms. You'll really get to know folks like that. And we want to create a place where you can develop real relationships. And when I say real relationships, I'm talking about those relationships that when Stuff gets difficult and you lose your job and your kid blows it and your marriage is having a difficult time. Those are the kind of relationships that you can stand by, that you can rely on each other, that you can encourage one another. There's a passage of Scripture in Acts chapter 2, verses 44 through 47, and we've taught on this several times. And in this passage of Scripture, it describes the very first church right after Jesus. Jesus was was crucified, then He came back to life, and then He hung around here for about 30 days, and then He left and went back to heaven. And after He went back, the followers of Jesus, guys like Peter and James and John and all of them, they started this first church. And Peter preached a sermon one day and 3,000 people got saved. Because why? Because Jesus was drawing all men unto himself. And so people got saved right then. And so now they had this church. And this is the description of the church that you find in Acts chapter 2. And it says this. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And we read that today and we say, man, I would love to be a part of a church like that. And we say, man, that that church was the most awesome church ever. And it was. And it was shortly after that that this church started having problems and people started saying, hey, our widows aren't getting fed as much as those other widows. And they started having some arguments just like churches do today. But here's the deal when I read that passage of Scripture. Instead of me saying, man, I wish I could find a church like that, you know what it says to me? It says that I need to be a church member like that. I need to be a Christian like that. And if I want to be in a church like that, if I want to have real relationships with people, then I've got to be willing to open up and be real with people that that are in this church. I've got to be willing to share my possessions with the people in this church. I've got to be willing to share my time with the people of this church. And if we want to see this church become all that it should be, then it's going to take effort for us to develop those real relationships and say, you know what? I'm going to do more than show up during the first song, sit here, greet the people around me that Blake tells me to greet, and then get out of here as soon as the last song is over with. I'm going to do more than that. Because if we do that, then this church is just like any other church. And you'll go here a while and you'll say, man, I just never really met anybody, never really made a connection. And, you know, all that kind of stuff. Because what happens up here isn't magical that makes you somehow have a friendship. That's going to take you saying, I'm going to be in a life group. I'm going to do what it takes to develop a real relationship. I'm going to do what it takes to help somebody that I meet here that needs help. Third thing is this. And I think, I don't know, I don't ever want to say anyone is more important than the other. We need them all. But I think, if, I think this one is easy to forget. And if we forget this, then, then the mission of the church won't ever happen. The third one is love people. Love people. And when I say love people, I'm talking about people that aren't here yet. We got to love each other too. In fact, Jesus said uh, at one time when he was talking, he said that people will know that we're his disciples by how we love each other. So we do have to love each other. But I think the reality is, is that we, love, we, we can love each other a lot easier than we can love people outside of these walls. Because we already know each other, we're comfortable with each other, we're friends. And so it's easier for me, I know maybe just speaking for me, it's easier for me to want to sacrifice my time and my my money to love you than it is somebody I haven't met yet. Because, see, love is is an action. Love's not a feeling. We've we've been led to believe love's a feeling, but love is an action. Now, when I first met my wife, there was a strong feeling there. I'm going to tell you what, I saw her and I was like, Dang, that girl, look at them eyes. And uh, I want to talk to her. And, and, and there's always, there's still a lot of feeling there. But the reason that we've been married for as long as we have, the reason that, that, that she uh, can still stand to live with me at all is because we have tried to, over these years, to show love, to demonstrate love, to act on love. Because love's an action, it's more than a feeling. Because that feeling is always going to go away at some point. And if we walk out of these doors every day and we realize six out of ten people that we run into, they're not a part of any church, they need Jesus, then what is it going to be that's going to speak to them? What is it going to be that's going to convince them that they need to at least listen to what you have to say about Jesus? It's going to be love. It's going to be how you treat them. It's going to be the things that you do for them. It's going to be love. The love that you show them. See, what, what the outside world uh, doesn't see enough of is just unconditional, forgiving, Jesus type love. You don't see it on TV, you don't see it in the movies, people don't see it in their workplaces. They don't see that unconditional love where you mess up and there's still love, that forgiving love where, where there's a problem and, and you forgive freely. You don't hold a grudge. People don't see that. And that's the kind of love that this church that I want to see us give to the people of this community. So that's what, that's what we believe our strategy should be, that if we do those three things, if we, if we grow toward Jesus Christ If we develop real relationships, if we love people, if we do those three things passionately and consistently, then we believe that that will make a great church. That will make a church that helps people discover true freedom that only comes from Jesus Christ. Now, the first part of that, let me me just talk real quick about the first part of that, where it says we want to create churches where people are encouraged and equipped to... Grow toward Jesus Christ, develop real relationships, and love people. We want to create churches. See, one of the things that we're, we're working on right now, Anna, and you're going to get start to hear more about it than you ever wanted to hear in the next few weeks, is we're working on figuring out how we can build a facility on the property that we own up on Highway 290. And I want you to know that when, when that begins and when y'all get in, involved in that and we all do that together and we're giving our hard-earned money towards it and we're praying about it and we're doing all those things, that when we, when we get that done, that's not the end. We're not looking to build one building and then say, whew, we did it. That was awesome. Now we just can cruise till, you know, till Jesus comes back. We want to create churches. We want to get that one built and that, that to be like a mission outpost. That to be a hub that from there, there's a lot of other things going on where we're looking for other places and maybe another part of this community where we see there's a lot of people there that need a church like Freedom Fellowship and we start another campus over there. We want to continue to give money and to give support to like-minded churches that are starting in other places around the country and around the world just like we do now. Right now, we support a church plan in Brooklyn. We support one in Myrtle Beach. We support two in Charleston. And in the next few weeks, you're going to get to meet those two pastors of the two churches we uh, support in Charleston. They're going to come here, and you're going to get to meet them. And we want to continue to do that. So what, when we talk about what our strategy is, our strategy is beyond what we're doing now. It's to, so that we will continue to push out behind, beyond these walls and to start church after church after church so that as many people as possible can begin to understand who Jesus is and be set free by him. That's what we want to see happen. Now, all right, that's all good, and you're probably sitting there saying, Cliff, you just talked a lot today, and that sounds great. Go at it, boy. You're going to do it good. We believe in you, Cliff. You can do it. Let me tell you something. If it's up to me to do all that, if it's up to our staff to do all that, if it's up to the elders to do all that, even though we've got great elders, we'll never make the impact that we could make. See, for this to happen, we've all got to do it. All of us have to do it together. A few weeks ago, we went to Disney World. And uh, after Emily graduated from high school, we took a family trip to Disney World. And um, it was like the last family vacation ever. No, that's, that's, we were trying not to think about it that way. But that's why we went. And, uh, and so, because it really was, and I'm very sad about it. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, so we go to Disney World, and, and me and Emily are walking around. We had been riding some rides and stuff, and, and we're walking around. And all of a sudden, Emily says to me out of the blue, she says, she sees this dude walk by, and I didn't really pay any attention to him, and uh, she says, you know what? I can tell who the dads are just by looking at them. I was like, really? And I said, what about me? If you saw me and you didn't know me, could you tell I was a dad? And she literally did this. She steps back, Looks me up and now she said, oh yeah, I could tell you're a dad. <laughs> now, I'm just going to tell you, that didn't hurt my feelings. I, uh, you know, maybe 15 years ago that would have hurt my feelings, but I know exactly who I am. You know, I'm a 40-something-year-old dude that needs to lose about 25 pounds and has a lot of gray hair. I understand it, okay? And I quit trying to be cool a long time ago, because I wasn't even cool back then, and there's no way I can be cool now. And by the way, if you're like me, if you're about my age, just quit trying to be cool. You're not. Just leave cool to, like, way people younger than us. And so, but what I thought about later, after we had that conversation, was, is to her, these dads stand out. They look different. She can look at them and recognize, that's a dad. Oh, that's another dad. Yeah, you're definitely a dad. She can recognize that. And I thought about that when I was thinking about this strategy that we're wanting to do, that we're wanting to, to help people grow toward Jesus Christ, develop real relationships, and love people. If we'll do those things, if we'll do those things and we'll talk about those things and we do those out in our community and at our schools and all that stuff, then we're going to look different. And we should look different. People should be able to, that, that don't know us, that, that don't know Jesus, they should be able to watch us, observe us, listen to us talk, and, and, and say, something's different about that guy, something's different about that lady, I don't know what it is, but there is something different going on there. We should be recognizable as followers of Jesus in our communities. And I believe that if we will all do that, now I'm not talking about, you know, Making sure you got the biggest Christian fish in the world on the back of your truck and, you know, wearing Jesus t shirts every day. That's fine if you want to do that. But I'm not talking about that kind of different. I'm I'm talking about different when it comes to the way we treat people and the way we do business and the way we interact with people who are hurting. That's the kind of stuff that people are going to look at and we're going to go, something is going on, something is different there. And if we can do that as a church, not just staff, not just elders, not just set up teams, not just life group leaders, but if all of us can become a, just like an army of people that goes out every day into schools and into workplaces and into neighborhoods, and we can live like that, then we're going to see a change in this community and we're going to see a change in this church. And so last week when when we were finishing up, I asked you, you know, if you were committing to the mission of this church to come forward, we had a whole bunch of folks down here praying, which was awesome. And so as you thought about that this past week, and maybe you were one of the ones that came down here and prayed, and as you thought about that's the mission and that's what we're trying to do, I want you to begin to think about, okay, now, how can I start to implement this strategy into my life? How can I look for opportunities to love people? Am I growing towards Jesus Christ? Am I developing real relationships within the the walls of this church? And am I loving people outside the walls of this church? And just start to think about that for yourself. And I want to challenge you not to try to be Billy Graham, but I want to challenge you to be you transformed by Jesus, making a difference in the lives of the people that He puts in your path. That's all that you can do. That's all that I can do. I can't be any more than me you can't be any more than you. But through Jesus transforming us, we can have a huge, huge impact. I'm going to pray for us. As I get ready to pray, I want you to know that if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you've heard us talking about this and it's, you know, whatever, it, it doesn't make sense to you, I want you to know that you can come get me at the end of the service. I'll be down here. You can grab any of these musicians that are up here. You can get anybody of our greeters who have a name tag on and you can pull them aside and say, I need to know more about what he was talking about and we would love to tell that to you and share that story with you. Um, And if you're here today and you do know Jesus and, and, and you're trying to figure out what it is he wants you to do, I want you to know that I'm praying for you. I'm praying that all of us will just follow and do what it is that God wants each of us to do. So let me pray for us, and after we're done praying, we're going to stand and we're going to sing a closing song, one that we sang last week, that really goes along with what we've been talking about these last two weeks. So let me pray. Father God, thank you for the opportunity, once again, to be a part of your work. We know that you're drawing people to yourself, and you could could do all that just on your own without any help from us, but you have chosen to allow us to be a part of the work that you do on this earth. And so I pray that for myself, for each of us that are here that know you, that we would be faithful to that, that we would do the hard work of love, that we would take the actions that it it requires to love people. And, Lord, I pray that that this church would grow not because we just want to have a full room or we want a bunch of money, but that this church would grow because it would mean people are coming to know you and that heaven is going to be more full as a result of what this church does. You are a good God. Every day you bless us. Every day you give us opportunities to have our lives transformed. And I pray that we would follow you into all the earth, no matter what happens. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.